Dealers, have you been searching for a way to keep your customers' cars looking new for longer? Diamond Coat's nano ceramic gloss and matte paint coating is the answer. No special application tools are required, and it will keep service work in your base. Plus, it's an excellent lease product to offer your customers. Give your dealership the competitive edge with Diamond Coat. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the June 16th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is fresh off covering the BEV In-Depth 2023 Mining Conference in Sudbury, Ontario earlier this month. Today, he'll give us a lay of the land when it comes to the critical mineral industry in Canada, what automotive expects from it, and what the mining industry itself expects from the government and automakers, as both industries transition to a future filled with electric vehicles. All that and more when I speak with Automotive News Canada Toronto Bureau Chief David Kennedy on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Thanks for joining me on the podcast this week, David. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time. Glad you're back. You're a busy man. You just wrote several stories for the June issue on the topic we're going to discuss now, that is mining in the automotive industry and sort of what that's doing to the industry and what it means moving forward. You were in Sudbury for a conference uh, recently, just in early June. Give me a sense of what the automotive presence was there. Well, it was pretty major, actually. I mean, I hit a couple of the automakers uh, out um, front and center, and then a number of uh, others within the industry kind of scattered throughout the audience as well. Um, So, you know, uh, GM, Honda were there, uh, representatives from industry organizations um, that that serve the automakers both uh, within North America and internationally were there. And then a number of uh, other players, as I mentioned, uh, sort of within the Southern Ontario manufacturing sphere. So, uh, it's pretty obvious that there's a there's a big interest um, in what's going on in northern Ontario um, from the auto industry. Did you get a sense of whether that was normal or not at these types of conferences, or are we on the cusp of an expanding automotive footprint and a changing mining industry, and for that matter, a changing auto industry? Was that normal, do you think, to see that number of, of folks there? Because I remember when I saw the list of speakers and guests, I thought, Gosh, there's a lot of automotive executives on this list. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I, I think it really points to the change that we're seeing uh, over the last uh, year or a little bit more, um, with sort of this melding uh, and realization within the auto industry that they need to get a little bit more involved in what's going on in the upstream supply chain, uh, meaning mining and processing particularly when it comes to EVs. Um, you know, we've seen a number of investments. Uh, GM is probably one of the front and center ones that we've seen invest directly into mining projects and processing projects. Uh, so obviously, GM with uh, with POSCO in uh, Bécancourt, Quebec, uh, we know they're building a cathode active materials plant. Um, it's going to cost more than a billion dollars, um, and they need to supply that plant. You know, they need partnerships uh, with these mining projects, ideally those in Canada, uh, that can actually feed that plant uh, to ultimately power the vehicles that they plan to build. This is a little different than the traditional supply chain, isn't it? Because you just mentioned it. There's a lot of partnerships here. Is that the common theme among automakers and miners and automakers and refineries and automakers and battery makers for that matter? It seems like this is a more of a partnership um, supply chain rather than you build something for me, we're in this together, it seems like. Yeah. And particularly within North America, I think you're seeing that, that there's a realization, um, you know, from GM and Ford and and others, uh, and even beyond North America that, you know, 
automakers aren't necessarily battery makers. They don't have that expertise built up over decades like they do assembling vehicles. So I think they've really gone out of their way to build some partnerships, uh, you know, with uh, companies in Korea, for instance, companies in China that have been doing batteries a little bit longer. Um, and that's kind of how they're getting into the game. They don't have the same expertise that they do building, you know, engines and transmissions, for instance. Uh, so it's it's just a it's been a slow progression of companies just getting a little bit more involved uh, and partnering up with these with these companies and then jumping to mining as well. As I mentioned with the GM, uh, they're really uh, Lithium Americas was one of the biggest partnerships they announced uh, a few months back at this point. Um, lithium Americas has a big uh, lithium development in the United States. Uh, and, you know, that will eventually feed their battery ecosystem once that mine gets up and running. Uh, and it's it's really been a race to lock in some of these resources. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of partnerships on that end. But at the same time, GM doesn't want to necessarily operate that mine either. So they're not gonna they're not gonna come in and buy it out, right? Because it's just not what they do. Uh, and we see it the same way uh, with a number of companies and on the battery cell side. It's not GM's expertise. So you know they're partnering with LG on Ultium. So we saw photos from that event, and one of them, there were three auto executives on a stage chatting, um, sort of a fireside chat, question and answer. I have to ask, what was auto's biggest concern at that conference? What are the issues automotive raised? I think the biggest thing at the moment, uh, within from both the auto executives and the mining executives, honestly, it's really the same thing. It's it's trying to get this off the ground uh, within Canada. You know, uh, as much as we've seen a lot of um, amping up this sort of battery ecosystem that uh, both the federal government, the Ontario government, and the Quebec government are trying to build, there has been relatively little investment uh, within the mines themselves uh, and processing plants as well. Like we're seeing a little bit of activity uh, in Quebec on the mining side. They opened up uh, what's going to be their their first you know producing lithium mine that's ramping up now. Ontario doesn't even have that, for instance. There is no lithium being produced in Ontario today of any real quantities. Um, and there's no processing um, in either Quebec or Ontario at the moment. Uh, both are looking at it, but they're not there yet. So it's really trying to connect the dots here to actually get this stuff in the ground. Um, and I think that's part of what the conference was about, was trying to catalyze some of this stuff uh, and really find some money for it. Uh, because it's just, it is expensive uh, and there's long lead times uh, for a lot of these projects to get built. You know, it's going to take 10 years to build some of these mines, to build the roads, to get to the mines. Uh, and there's a realization that if it doesn't happen soon or get started soon, we're going to be in trouble when it comes to 2030. And there's battery cell plants in North America that can't find materials uh, to put into their batteries. Well, that's just one piece of that puzzle, right? I'm just wondering what all of this means. You just described sort of a behind or a lagging timeline in terms of what the auto industry needs now. What does this mean for, you know, zero emissions vehicle sales mandates? What does it mean for the battery plants that are supposed to be up and running? Will those things happen on time, on schedule, on budget, or does the lack of mining and refining now, does that hang over and put us behind schedule in terms of policy and even product? Well, it definitely puts us behind if we can't get this stuff moving. Uh, and particularly behind with, when you think of it uh, in the context of a North American supply chain, I think. 
today, a lot of, uh, as we know, you know, uh, it's 75, 80% of battery cells uh, are produced in China, same number for battery materials. And the reality is, uh, we could likely buy those battery materials, they might, they might go up significantly in cost by 2030. But the idea is that, you know, we could buy them offshore, um, bring them to North America to put into battery cells here at the plants that are sort of already on the books. But we don't want to do that necessarily. You know, that's been the whole drive behind a lot of the federal Ontario and Quebec government policy here has been to do it all here. So, you know, we want to have lithium produced in Ontario going into battery cells that are made in Ontario, ultimately going into the vehicles themselves, all done here. So the concern, uh, th there's definitely concern about the lack of materials, uh, you know, when we're looking 10 years out. But the biggest issue is lack of local materials. And I think, there, especially when you when you attract a $7 billion Volkswagen plant, for instance, part of the draw of Canada and Ontario was the fact that we do have the minerals, they could get local supply. Um, and now we're really going to have to deliver and get some of this stuff built that we know we know is there, but it's just been slow to get going. We'll be right back after this short break. Today, we're excited to share with you how you can enhance your customer's driving experience and keep their vehicle looking like new with Diamond Coat's full suite of nano ceramic gloss and matte paint protection products. Both come with a 10-year warranty guarantee. Diamond Coat's nano ceramic gloss paint protection is perfect for customers who want to maintain vibrant vehicle finish. This advanced formula uses cutting-edge nanotechnology to create a hard, durable barrier between the paint and the environment. Not only does it provide superior protection against scratches, bird droppings, and UV rays, but it also enhances the paint's shine, making it look like it just rolled off the showroom floor. For matte finished vehicles on your lot, we have NanoCeramic Matte, the only product in North America specifically designed to protect a vehicle's unique, non-reflective look. It's engineered to preserve the light-diffusing sheen matte and satin finishes are known for while still providing long-lasting protection from the elements. Both of our nano-ceramic products offer superior protection with a 9H hardness rating and a hydrophobic surface that repels water and contaminants. This means your customers will spend less time cleaning their vehicle and more time enjoying the ride. Not only are our products top of the line, but our team of experts is dedicated to providing exceptional service to our dealership partners. We offer comprehensive training, marketing support, and dedicated ancillary specialists to ensure that you have everything you need to successfully offer our products to your customers. So if you want to provide your customers with the best in ceramic paint protection, look no further than Diamond Coat. Contact us today or visit www.diamondcoat.com to learn more about how we can help. Diamond Coat, we've got you covered. Welcome back to the podcast, where I'm speaking with Automotive News Canada Toronto Bureau Chief David Kennedy. Do we know if, or has Auto said, that a massive advantage is our source and wells of critical minerals? Is that still a selling point for automakers, battery makers, and miners in Ontario and Quebec? Is there enough there to make us the place to build batteries? I think it's a part of the equation. Every every all the sense I get of this is that everybody wants local supply because it's reliable. You know, if you're shipping it from northern Ontario down to southern Ontario, it's not that far. It's the same jurisdiction. It simplifies the transaction, right? You're not shipping it in from Australia or or elsewhere. You know, in Chile or Bolivia, um, where the obviously Australia is a 
politically stable area, but there's also other uh, mitigating factors in terms of coming across the ocean and things like that. Whereas Chile and Bolivia, there's there's some concern about the stability of that supply. You don't have that same thing in Ontario. There, you know, there there's certainty with investing in Ontario that there's not going to be something destabilizing to create a real problem uh, within the supply chain. Uh, so that's that's really part of it. That it kind of uh, all comes together uh, within the same jurisdiction. So on the other side of the coin, was there anything that the mining industry had to say to the automotive industry, or is there anything the mining industry needs? from automotive that it isn't necessarily getting yet? Because I assume we're still in a sort of getting to know you sort of stage uh, between these two industries because things are happening so quickly. It's not that, you know, we haven't used lithium in batteries for a decade or so, but it is ramping up. So was there a message sent from the mining industry to the auto industry in a sense that this is what we need from you or what are your expectations? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that the, the ask from the mining sector was cash, honestly. It's risk capital that they haven't seen. Um, and, you know, when you see GM uh, go into the U.S. with that Lithium Americas project that I mentioned, uh, for instance, we want to say the miners in Canada want to see the same thing. They also want government cash, but they need they need money to get these projects off the ground. Uh, and they know that automakers are beginning to look at this, that battery cell makers are beginning to look at this. Um, so basically what they're looking for is sort of a bit of investment to get their projects off the ground and a commitment that the automakers and battery cell makers are going to ultimately buy the minerals that they're going to produce. Because that helps, particularly when it's a small mining company, that helps them go back to prospective investors in the project itself to say, look, we have a customer for this. It takes some of the risk off the table. And that's really what these Ontario projects need uh, is just really sort of kickstart them is is certainty. Is there any worry in either industry that the technology changes so quickly that what we mine and produce in Ontario, northern Quebec becomes irrelevant in what powers a vehicle 15, 20, 25 years from now? And, and I'm talking about do we ever see a change to hydrogen or do we ever do, do, do solid state batteries make a difference? Is there a worry that the technology advances so quickly, this becomes outdated and we're looking at something else as the go-to source of power for vehicles? I, I think the, sh the short answer is not really. Longer answer is most everyone that looks at the battery ecosystem today sees lithium as having serious staying power. You know, there's a lot of varying chemistries that are included in sort of the umbrella of lithium ion batteries. But lithium is the one thing that is needed. So whether or not there's lithium, nickel, cobalt, and manganese, whether it's uh, sort of the lower cost batteries, which are LFP, uh, which is lithium iron phosphate, lithium is the one thing that kind of unifies this ecosystem at the moment. So particularly when it comes to lithium, there's really not much concern that it's going anywhere, at least in the short term. You know, I think people see the runway as being 15, 20 years, 25 years as it's hard to imagine something else kind of coming out of the woodwork and usurping uh, lithium's place in this uh, battery world. Uh, but at the same time, some of the other minerals, you know, cobalt, for instance, used to be much more important than these batteries. Um, and there's a, a whole host of reasons why, but uh, there's been a movement over the past, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years to reduce uh, the reliance on cobalt within the batteries because it, uh, for one, it's expensive, but there's also human rights issues that come up with cobalt because a lot of it is mined uh, 
in Congo. So there's there's issues uh, around that that we may see some of the uh, minerals uh, sort of ebb and flow depending on the chemistries, but lithium is really the one that everybody doesn't see going anywhere. Now, here's the question that every Canadian probably wants the answer to. Should we expect huge sums of financial aid for the mining industry to flow from the federal government? I think we can anticipate uh, that we will see that. Um, and governments tell me as much. Uh, you know, I sat down with uh, Vic Fideli um, at, at the conference, and you know, he basically told me that miners watching, you know, these investments in the so- southern part of the province at the moment can expect the same treatment. You know, whether that's ten uh, percent capital investment uh, in the project or a little bit higher, uh, it, it, he didn't balk. That's you know, that is sort of the expectation that he's put on the table. Uh, and the same thing with the federal government. Natural Resource Canada told me that similar programs are already sort of uh, in the works to get this uh, to get these mining projects federal support. Um, that said, we haven't seen much of it so far, um, but there was no uh, there was no uncertainty. Uh, they certainly are committed to getting these uh, projects funded. Um, the price tags are probably going to vary depending on what we see. You know, they're. Seven billion dollars for Volkswagen, for instance, that that would be very, very high for a mining project. Um, it, for instance, uh, there's a number of mines being developed in Ontario at the moment. Um, price tags are, you know, closer to a billion dollars or even a little bit less during the first stages of the project. So, you know, obviously, 10, 10 or twenty percent of that is uh, a fraction of what's going to go towards Volkswagen, especially when you factor in the production credits that they will get uh, as part of building that plant. Uh, but there's no, uh, certainly the federal and Ontario governments are, are committed. Uh, they really are going to spend some cash to make this happen. And we'll be following your work to find out when that does happen, because you're on top of this, both on the governmental issues and the policy and in the mining world. It is an ever-expanding footprint in automotive, and you are trying to keep up, and we appreciate it. Thanks, David. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. I'd like to thank David for being my guest this week. You can read several of his stories from the conference in our June print edition of Automotive News Canada. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.